Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Webster's has the definition for a sellout as the selling of an entire stock of something, especially tickets for an entertainment or sports event. Doesn't really seem like that hard of a Hmm. concept to understand. It's almost in the word. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about that here in a little bit. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I think Mark Morrison did say it best when he said it's the return of the Mac. Yes, I- Missed you guys. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and hash out this crazy would-be college football season as we cross our fingers and hope for the best. Yep. Excellent. And also as Boomer. Well, I'd just like to announce that uh, we as a Redcast have sat down and, and talked about what was best for safety and health regulations, and we've decided we're going to limit listenership to 30% of all of our total listeners at any given time for this podcast, just uh, just to help deal with uh, the repercussions of the pandemic. So please, you know, work it out amongst yourselves, 30% at any given time. Thank you all. Well, sometimes when a product is scarce, you know, then it really drives up demand. So um, I think I learned that in Economics 101. I don't know. Well, it is good to be back uh, with the whole crew here, right, Honky? I mean, we've got the whole Red Cast here, and uh, it's a still a very odd off season as we uh, are at the uh, last week of May, and uh, football is still in limbo, but it's getting closer and closer to feeling like uh, we have a, a good shot at a football season, as we now know uh, players can come back to campus starting on June 1st, right? Yeah, this transition from May to June is is going to be key here. And really the whole month of June is going to be key. You know, how the numbers with with COVID go over the course of the next month will play a big role in how things continue to hopefully open up more and more in July and August and and all that's going to have an effect on the season itself. But as of right now, I mean, Nebraska is set to go June 1st. We're one of the first four schools. It was like Wyoming and Louisville, somebody else and us are starting on June 1st. A lot of other schools are, are starting on June 8th. And I think something as Nebraskans that we can be very proud of is that the uh, UNMC is playing a major role in kind of writing the playbook for how schools and, and athletic departments should make this move back to you know normal activity. Mm-hmm. And so Nebraska is leveraging uh, our partners over there in Omaha uh, quite heavily on this. And we've been on the forefront of all of this. I mean, there's other schools and other conferences that are looking at Nebraska for how we are getting you know ourselves back to back to work. What's interesting to me, Hockey, is that UNMC is taking a lead on much of this for the Big Ten. And shortly after we joined the Big Ten, we were kicked out of the AAU by potentially some Big Ten members leading that charge because we didn't have enough research going on. And they did not allow us to include UNMC research dollars because they're on a separate campus in Omaha opposed to being in Lincoln. And if they would have included that, we would have easily made their threshold, whatever that was at the time. 
but they didn't. But here, ironically, now they're fine with UNMC <laughs> being a part of the Big Ten uh, system, right? Isn't that amazing? You know, at the end of the day, UNMC has looked great in, in terms of all the great work that they're doing there. Nebraska looks very good because of it. Um, they are playing a major role in it. And it, again, it's something me personally, just as a Nebraska, I'm really proud to see. Well, it's something that when Frost first got here, he said if there was any kind of pandemic released upon the world, he had a, he had a three-phase plan that was going to be you know installed to take care of that. And obviously, the first thing was recruiting. Yeah. Uh, second thing was you know uh, weight room development, and then finally to include UNMC in some sort of development of a you know a therapeutic or a vaccine. So well, well, uh, coming from Orlando, uh, I was just reading today that. Uh, Disney World is opening up again, and they are going to have six feet between people in line. So right. that's that's how Orlando is fighting this. You know, Nebraska. Cool. We're, yeah, we are on the forefront of. of Coincidentally, the they were initially going to go with six three, which was Frost's wingspan, <laughs> but he just like, you know, <laughs> to allow more capacity. He yeah. said the three inches would be fine. Whatever, no big deal. There you go. <laughs> well, we are making progress here. You know, I mean. Even the last time we did a show, uh, I think there was less known, right? We've always said we got to be patient here. The longer we go into this, the more information we have in our hands to make good decisions. There's still chances for an outbreak, uh, maybe high, high likelihood of an outbreak in the fall. But we're taking a lot of precautions here. It's not just Nebraska, but other universities, Notre Dame, for example, and now others are following suit starting early and ending their semester before Thanksgiving to get kids on campus early and in case they need to to shut down and avoid the travel back and forth. There's a lot of things that we're doing, and that, that will evolve here over the next three months, including what type of capacity we may have at Memorial Stadium on September 5th. Yeah, and one of the things about the month of May is that a lot of the players have actually made their way already back to Lincoln. So even though we haven't had the organized events, everything that will start on June 1st, a lot of players are back in Lincoln. And I know uh, Athletic Director Moose has made that statement multiple times, and I agree with it, is that his beliefs are that the safest place for these players to be right now is in Lincoln. We have our people on boots on the ground here working mm-hmm. with those players. This is safer for them than to be, you know, in a hundred different places all across the country in, in different parts of the country where there are, yep. you know, bigger outbreaks and all that. I mean, so... Um, I think that makes sense. helps out a lot here with us getting started on June 1st. You know, I was listening to, I think it was Severe and Benning this morning, and they interviewed Dave Ellis, uh, the uh, you know n- nutritional guru, and he was talking about their whole system. They were ahead of the game again on this, of um, having essentially drive-by to-go meals for all the athletes, and now the athletes can come in and, and whatnot. You know, it's hard to find advantages for different programs here. Everybody's dealing with the same thing. Every state's a little bit different, but generally speaking, the restrictions have made it difficult to make sure that your uh, athletes are a training and fueling themselves properly. But you got to like that. Nebraska can't be too far behind anyone else on this because of folks like Dave Ellis. Yeah, this is a, this is a kind of a time in life where you really do appreciate getting the smartest guys in the room involved in, in, in these kind of protocols and stuff because the staffs or the, the administrations that can adapt quickly and implement new programs to get these things done are, you know, they're going to shine and they're going to rise to the top. Now, 
to see Nebraska on the forefront of this is is really kind of inspiring, and it kind of tells you that the leadership is in place and and, and things are going in the right direction. That the the staff and the and the and the crew that we have in place there, I, I have every confidence that we're going to utilize it as much as we can. Try to turn you know lemons into lemonade and see what we can do going forward. Nobody knows what the future is going to be for the for the season, but. It seems like they've got a plan A, B, C, all the way, you know, to F before, you know, it starts getting a little hairy. So I, I feel like we got the right people in place for this. Yeah, you know, a boomer, Bill Moose was interviewed by uh, Steve Sipple, someone who was on our, our show uh, a while back um, about all of this. And, you know, he talked about how one of the things that, you know, he feels like, it comes out of this is, you know, how he'll be measured and how his athletic department will be measured is their response to this scenario and, and how well we can o- overcome this. And there's a lot of ramifications here across the country from a financial standpoint. Right. And I think Nebraska hopefully is going to come out pretty well, but a lot of other schools are, are cutting programs and taking some pretty drastic measures. Yeah, first thing that reminds me, we do need to try to get Bill Moose on the program. I mean, yeah, someone should email him That'd and see if nice. he's on there. I mean, heck, if we can do simple, we can do Moose. Why not? He's got the time. <laughs> but no, you're right. This is this is going to be one of those times where these athletic directors make their money or you know earn their salary that we're paying them. These, there's going to be some very hard decisions that have to be made about how do you handle everything you know in the near future. Uh, you mentioned you know, is there a possibility for a second wave of outbreaks? Does that change everything? You, you've got questions of what happens if you bring the players back and all of a sudden you have an outbreak among the players. What do you do? I mean, how do you handle that? How do you handle yep. that monetary aspect of it? You know, the majority of Nebraska ticket holders are like 55 and older. I mean, that's a huge chunk of your fan base, and they're in that high-risk group. So what do you do with that? Do you bring them in, or do you not? Or do you put age limits on this stuff? And I think, you know, this is actually going to probably spur a lot of changes in college football. I think this is kind of getting way into the weeds here, but I think... You know, a result of this is you're probably going to this will probably lead to a push for an expanded playoff sooner than we would have had because I think athletic departments are going to see the need for more revenue as quick as they can get it. And what's the easiest way to do that? Expand the college football playoff. You know, I, I wanted to ask Honky this. You know, as we're going to this kind of different schedule for university starting earlier, getting done by Thanksgiving. Do you see that maybe becoming a permanent change for colleges? We can have a college football playoff at the FBS level because you're no longer, you know, we're not having, oh, finals in December, which was always the normal excuse for not having them. Well, they're done in November. You've got this entire month of December now to do whatever you want, you know, for things like that. I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of changes coming forth and a lot of things that athletic directors and conference commissioners and things are going to have to figure out. So this is where they're making their money. I don't want to make too much about what, what the pandemic is going to do long term to, to speed up things. I just think this particular year, we have some very specific issues that are happening right now. We're going to have – I don't think there's any model I've seen that says we're going to have 90,000 people sitting in stands. I, I, just, just nothing shows that. So I think everyone has to find some way to adapt to having less people in there. Iowa State's already come out and said they're only going to have 30,000 fans you know, at they're going to cap it now. That's, Iowa State also only has twenty. They only have twenty-two thousand season tickets, so it's an easy thing to say. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Iowa State fans, slow yeah. down on all the purchasing. Yeah, they have they have a different issue. They're ca- they're capping their their attendance at something already higher than what they have for season ticket sales to begin with. Yeah. Nebraska has a completely different issue there. We yeah, the have, invoices were already out by the time this. Yeah, thing hit. Nebraska actually has to make some tough decisions if we yeah. say we're only going to have thirty or whatever the number is. Right? Yeah. 
there's going to be some pain for people that, that are typically going to games and they wouldn't be going. Absolutely. You know, uh, Boomer, your parents are uh, season ticket holders, right? And they're also um, in the senior age set, to your point earlier. Correct. And, yep. uh, there's a lot of those out there. But that doesn't mean they don't want to, like, I mean, they could potentially give those tickets to family members, et cetera. It doesn't mean that they aren't going to use those. But if you're only allowing 30,000 people into Memorial Stadium, uh, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You have students you may have to consider. A lot of different combinations. This is not something that's impossible to work out, but um, it, it, there's some challenges there and financial repercussions, I suppose, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you if we say we do limit it to 30000 how do you decide which 30000 it is? Do you prioritize the the big budget donors? Do you prioritize people who've had you know season tickets the longest for loyalty? I mean, you've got to consider students to this because if all of a sudden you say, well, students don't get allowed in, then that really kind of puts the kibosh on the whole, you know, this is for a student-athlete kind of program, that this is college kind of sports. And then what do you do with things like, what do you do with the band? Can they sit six feet apart and play in the stands? You know, in a game like that, sure. I was just thinking about that earlier. I, there's a lot of stuff that has to be figured out in this and you know, right now, it's it's a tough thing for schools to figure out, you know, for schools like Nebraska or, you know, a school like Michigan where they normally stuff 100,000 people in the stands at any given game. I mean, if you can only fit 30,000 in there, that's a, that's a big chunk of people that aren't going to be allowed in. So what do you do? I'm not saying that college football is the same as all the other sports. It has some unique characteristics to it, but there's a, everyone else is also trying to figure this out, right? The NFL clearly wants to play with with fans in their stands as well, uh, baseball, etc. And so everybody's going to be learning from one another here over the next three months, right? And um, there could be some different situations that play out that inform how this works for Nebraska come September. Right, Honky? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to police what goes on inside the stadium. Hey, we're only going to allow X amount of people in there. But as we've seen in downtown Lincoln before a game – how do you police how many people come down there? So whether you only allow 30,000 in, does that stop 100,000 from coming outside? I mean, who who the heck knows? I mean, it's, it's Husker football and the Sea of Red's going to want to watch. I think at some point there's personal responsibility that people have to take upon themselves. If, if you have underlying conditions, if you're in a certain age group, all those things, you know, I would probably steer clear of large crowds like this, just no matter what the, the laws or the rules say, right? But outside of that, I mean, at some point I think there's also going to have to be you know, look, if we're going to be truly free, if we're going to be out there and, and taking basic risk, I mean, it is a risk anytime you step outside your house, right? I mean, you could catch something, but if you're going to take those risks, then I mean, I, I think that that's something that each person has to kind of take it upon themselves to recognize what their situation is and if they if they yeah. should be taking that risk or not. It would, it would be best if people realize that or maybe the university thought if people go to these games and then end up getting sick, okay, well, you kind of knew that could happen. You know, I don't know how yeah, much. Do, I, do I don't you need know waivers how much, or yeah, something? I mean, that's I don't the, know. Do, you, do you have to sign something with the purchase? Of or do you mandate game? masks in the stadium? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, well, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 at the minimum, or I don't know, the, the groups of ten need to be, you know, so many feet apart from the others. Like you said earlier, Boomer, this is this is a hard one to be you know, a decision maker about, but. If it's possible, Nebraska fans will find a way. Like that, I, I understand. You know, like whatever the capacity will be, I'm pretty sure we'll get to that capacity. You know, you want to be smart about it. And the other thing is, guys, September's a, a little bit of ways. You know, things change kind of on the daily on this stuff. Sure. So it's it's really right. hard to project. Is in terms of like, well, it's going to look like this or this this kind of. 
this kind of group of people are still going to be affected. And I know we've got blue hairs in the crowd, but those the blue hairs have family. They could they could transfer those tickets down, yeah. and that that's more than reasonable. And All games are on TV anymore. It's not that big <laughs> of a deal, you know. And you said uh, you know capacity, and that kind of goes back to my hot take on the sellout thing because that keeps getting. You need to explain up. this to Minnesota and Iowa because they don't seem to get this concept. Well, but the concept of what a sellout is, I mean, if this is how many tickets we have. And this many people bought those tickets. It's a sellout. Yeah. Now that's different from when Sam McEwen, you know, does his in-depth reporting and and finds out that only so many people scan their tickets. I don't care. Yeah. That's not what a sellout is. A sellout is we had X amount of tickets and these got yeah. sold. So whether that's ninety thousand seats or if it's twenty five thousand seats for this one year, whatever it is, there's to me there's not even an asterisk. Well, I mean, given Iowa's inability to understand hot dogs to hot dog bun ratios, their their struggle with this kind of math doesn't surprise me at all. It'll give, so. it'll give Iowa another chance to hang a banner this year for all the sellouts they could have. <laughs> but you know? Boomer had a horrible <laughs> hot dog experience at, at Kinnick. He said the people were great. He he, he he scarred. Yeah, he loved everything about Iowa City, he said, other than the hot dogs. Sort of like a, other than that and the traffic leaving that stadium. Everything else was great. Yeah, had a good time there. So as weird as that so, is. So Honky, some other radio shows, this might be on Sportsman Like Conduct, I can't remember, but has has talked about this at length and they've talked about this idea of like, well, you know, if to your exact point, if X amount of tickets are available and that same X amount of tickets are sold, that's a sellout. Well, if they only make one ticket available and that one ticket is sold, then thus it's a sellout. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, they've made this case that they could have one fan in the stadium, which I, I immediately in my head, I visualize you being the ultimate Husker fan. <laughs> so it would be hilarious if Honky gets elected to be, I'm, I want to promote this right now. That Honky is the number one Nebraska football fan. So you should be the one fan in the stadium and you can represent all of us. Yeah, I mean, if, if Brett Musburger does the game, I'll even, like, wear a halter top just so he can, like, oogle over me or whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a <laughs> that would be a fun game to watch, I guess. I'd love to be the only guy in the crowd doing it. That would be cool. Uh, you know, Honky, to your point about this whole capacity thing, and I, I feel like some of these numbers are a bit arbitrary, right? They're, you know, certain, you know, oh, we're going to have thirty or 40,000 or X percent, et cetera, and... I think everybody always has to take a step back and think about why this is being done, right? We're trying to potentially limit the spread of the coronavirus. And so in in that sense, we're we're trying to avoid a a super spread scenario where you pack 80,000 people into a stadium and, and, I don't know, 20 people that walk into that stadium happen to have the, the virus at that moment. Um, and they're packed in there tightly, they could spread it to hundreds, if not thousands of people, right? And so I've thought a lot about this uh, here in Denver because Coors Field, right? Uh, the Rockies have not come back yet, but it sounds like uh, if baseball comes back online here this summer, they're going to be playing in their home stadiums, and it doesn't sound like they're going to have fans in front of them, which it makes sense uh, uh, in some ways, but uh, we are now starting to allow, as in many other States allowing restaurants and eventually bars may start to have a certain capacity, start attending uh, or, or, or going to those establishments, which are right across the street from Coors field, which is very similar to Nebraska, right? You have berries and all of a sudden the hay market and O street and so to your point, if you don't allow anybody Memorial Stadium, but you have 
a capacity, you know, 25% or 50% of a bar that's full of people, you still have that potential spread issue. And the question is, could those bars and restaurants do better than what you could do in Memorial Stadium from a sanitary and a spacing requirement? Um, I, I doubt it, right? So some level of uh, attendance makes sense. It's just a matter of what the right number is. And I think that's not just a percentage of the capacity. It's also how well can you actually achieve the social distancing? How well can you actually um, manage the entrances and exits, the bathrooms and concession stands, all those type of things, right? Yeah, and I think the other thing, and Mac, you brought it up, September's a long ways away from now. Mm. And and a couple of things can happen here. Number one, you know, we can have advances in the treatments and we can have, you know, potentially a lowering of the number of people that have been infected, all that. But the other thing that you're going to have is that's three or four months away and right. people are going to be that much right. more tired of this. We just saw it a week or two ago, you know, as some of the, the I think it was Memorial Day weekend, the beach is opening up and people, I mean, this has only been going on for a couple of months, but I mean, people are... There's a number of people that they are at their wits end. They are the more the, the first second they had a chance to get onto a beach and be around thousands of other people, they yeah. they did it right. Well, the, the more instances we have of people getting the virus and really not having that adverse of effects with it, the better. Like if if we're seeing like okay, we're testing positive, but really nothing's happening. They just got it and they didn't feel very good, and and everything was fine. The more we get of that, and, and particularly when we're talking about uh, the demographic we are with players, and maybe. You know, we take 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 this. You know, the students in there, and and most of the population, and you take out the vulnerable populations who you all know who you are. And the, the, the beauty, and we talked about this off the show, the beauty of college football is it's forcing the hand because everybody wants the sports to come back. So we need hard yeah. numbers to get this back. That's probably the best thing we have going for us as far as getting hard numbers in, in a way to move forward with, with this virus. Well, so, Dave, you already said it, you know, the berries and the, the hay markets of the world. I mean, they, they'll have to be under some kind of, you know, restriction just like any other place. But the first game we have, and, and there's going to be some backyard in the uh, North Bottoms of, you know, with That's right. 300 kids yeah. in there. It's just going to happen, right? And there's going to be a drone taking a photo of it. How, how much do you just... think we're going to hear about the red balloons on the first touchdown this year? Just a quick question out there, Husker poll, <laughs> flash poll. Do you think anyone's going to bring up the red balloons this year? That's My guess is be, no. That's not going to be the concern. <laughs> yeah, so Boomer, you know, we're, we're talking here about the kind of financial ramifications, and it definitely is – all of this is, you know, highlighted what we've known for a long time amongst the Redcast is, is that college football is what pays the bills in university athletic departments across the board, both Power Five, Group and Five, and everything else. And if, if they don't play football and those TV contracts and then ultimately even uh, ticket sales and concessions, etc., don't happen, it has a huge impact on how the financial model that we live in right now in college sports uh, works, right? Yeah, this is something we've kind of, another topic we've talked about a lot kind of offline and in chats and things like that. It's just how much of an impact this could theoretically have on the, the college sports models that currently exists. If you lose this revenue from even one football season, how much it just shakes up everything. Uh, you know, we've already talked about all the Olympic sports that have been canceled and, you know, you've mentioned just, you know, this affects everybody. 
when it comes down to this. And it's there, there's a lot of debate to have on this. Is did we let college sports become too expensive? Did we start paying people too sure. much? Did you know? One of the things we talked about previously on this is I you know we look back at like the 1915 or 1904 Husker team. I can't remember which one it was at the time, but you know they had the same amount of men's sports then as we do now. I'm granted the teams weren't as big, but they had the same amount of sports. I just they were clearly were not at the same sort of level as they are today. You know, the coaches clearly weren't right. making as much. They weren't traveling. You know, eighty-five time zones every time to play a game. I mean, they existed. So this could be done. You know, in the era before big money types of contracts. But the way it's situated now, you know, you have one season where you don't play college football, and if for some reason you don't play college football, that's going to impact college basketball too, because it's going to be hard to argue to play that. And that's a huge hit for a lot of schools and programs, too. So, you know, it's somewhat crass to say that, but it's it's just reality. You have to you have to say that. So I don't want a pandemic to make too much of a statement on the economic models of play of different industries. Look, nobody's in good shape when you close down business. There is no good economic model for close everything down. And we can't question every single thing. Well, are we paying people too much? Yeah, we're paying them too much if we we're paying coaches too much if we can't sell tickets and have games. That, that, that's absolutely the case. But you know what? The economic model has worked for years and years and years when you have a normal situation. This is not normal. So, again, I don't want to go too deep into how is this going to change things four and five and six years from now. Yeah, no. I, I only reason I brought that up, I guess, is that um, I just think it highlights the precarious nature of any business model, right? Sure. And, Sports is even highlighted greater because of the need to gather people, right, and produce events, right? I mean, this is not limited to college football or college athletics. I mean, there's there's pro leagues that, I mean, Major League Baseball is struggling with this right now. Mm-hmm. The Bundesliga, German soccer, they made it clear that, that we need to start back up because some of our lower, smaller franchises will fold if we don't play some games, right? And so there's lots of other professional sporting mm-hmm. leagues that will will falter when they can't play games. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's literally, again, Dave, it's every industry, right? It is, hey, restaurants will close you for X amount of months, and then you can open up at 50%. And they go, well, wait, we still can't make money at 50%. Yeah. This is a bad deal, this pandemic. No one is arguing the, that... It is simply trying to come up with some long-term thing based off of this. I think the economic models worked for businesses. Businesses were doing just fine three months ago. This is just about, I think, getting through this season. I, I think the models will work after this. It's what a, just what a crappy time for players to be able to finally cash in on their image and likeness. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, oh, I can finally do it. Dang it. Pandemic. That's very true, Mac. You know, it's, very true. it's like, oh, felt a little flat. Well, one thing I wanted to hit on really quick, and I know we've been talking about football and we can come back to it, but something that I thought was really interesting, maybe a, a positive from this, uh, from a college sports, Eric Backich um, and uh, a few others, uh, Corbin from Vanderbilt, uh, Schlossnagel from TCU, coaches, they've, they've thrown out a new proposal for college baseball because that those are, are one of the sports that are losing programs schools are shutting down baseball programs uh it's it's a financial strain on a lot of athletic departments and they're like hey we could do better if we actually started the season a month later right they're being very proactive here taking advantage of the situation of of raising awareness of like hey 
we have not been able to gain things like an additional assistant coach or additional scholarships for our players because we lose money for our athletic departments. But if we started a, a month later, uh, attendance would be up across the board, not just in northern schools, but even even southern schools would have better attendance um, if they start the season later and uh, push everything back. And they would have more baseball programs that are at least less in the red, um, if not in the black, and become more financially stable. And there's other program, other types of sports that might be thinking of that same thing. I think this is a really uh, a good idea for college baseball. It could be very impactful for Nebraska, not only as a program, but as a state, because that means the College World Series would be pushed back to July. The Major League Draft, this trickles down a long ways, right? Minor leagues might be contracting because of all of this. Um, so the draft may get pushed back a month that might align really nicely, uh, with the world series. It could be a a big change for college baseball and one that could be a positive. Yeah. And I think this is something that is a long time coming. Actually, this is not something that's just like a, Oh, it's a response to the pandemic. And that's where I would separate this. It could be the excuse they need to slip it in, which is fine too. I mean, this is something that there's been a number of Northern league schools that have been wanting this, but really skip Burtman and LSU as far back as the nineties was state stating that, you know, he could see a benefit to having it be later in the year too. And so this is something that I 100% agree here, Dave, on the, the baseball side of things. And baseball was kind of the one weird college sport that it didn't mimic its pro sport in terms of the, the time of the year that it played. I mean, everything was kind of a little bit different. Right. And if this, Moves it back a little bit. Totally cool with that. I mean, I think it's the right thing to do anyways. I I would have suggested that whether we had a pandemic or not. Yeah. No, and I think it could be a really, really big uh, benefit um, for for Nebraska uh, long haul recruiting wise, et cetera. So a really positive thing that could happen as early as 2022, I believe, right? It might not be next year because it's a little too quick, but uh, this could all happen very quickly. So you could see a world... World Series in Omaha in in July of 2022. That would be awesome. All right, guys, this is fun talk. I like just you know kind of the uh, back and forth. Uh, you know, Honky. Uh, speaking of the the lather that we're working up with this conversation, <laughs> uh, we're adding a new sponsor to the Redcast. Right, uh, something we're going to be calling the Soapbox segment, uh, sponsored by the Hero Soap Company. Our uh, friend Lucas there at the Hero Soap Company, I believe is a native Nebraskan, uh, has a, a great product there that you can uh, go online and uh, use the Redcast promo. Right, Honky? Yeah, Dave. I mean, I think this is a really cool group here. Uh, they're veteran-owned. And uh, go to HeroSoapCompany.com. Uh, subscribe, not subscribe. But uh, you subscribe for the best savings. Uh, you combine that with our code. Use Redcast. And uh, they will match all the subscription soaps, and they will send an equal amount overseas to the troops. And this is something I didn't realize, but troops have to purchase their own toiletries. So I think that's really – They have to buy their own toilets? No, not toilets. Oh. Toiletries. And I think that's something that's oh, very – just, just the hardware. Okay. Yeah. So not only are you, you getting a great product, but you're also obviously – you're doing something uh, – with every purchase, you're doing something that, that benefits our troops t- too. So I think that's awesome. Uh, there's also donations that go to the Gary Sinise Foundation and Operation Finally Home. So Redcasters, absolutely go out there, uh, heroesoapcompany.com, and uh, I think that's a great thing. And so Sounds like great. 
Well, and to what Dave mentioned earlier, that kind of creates a new segment for us called the Soapbox. And Oh! And the Soapbox is exactly what it sounds like. It's anything, you know, from any week, right? And this week, let's talk a little bit of social media. And we've had a lot of social media just across the board over the course of the last couple of weeks. And the first one I want to start with, it's pinned on our Twitter page right now. Uh, our great graphic designer, Swobes, created uh, the first six games, uh, the helmets of the six teams. And it was simply, what do you think our record's going to be over the course of the these six games? And the amount of – it's exactly what you thought. I mean, it was – we had people that were, were 6-0 and oh, – Five and one, you know, no doubt. And then we had the people that were like, we're two and four and we'll be lucky to go that, right? But I mean, those six games, when you look at them on paper in terms of the names of the schools, nothing will impress you, all right? I mean, nothing does. I mean, the best team is Cincinnati, and that's not a school that on paper, that the name, the, you know, the prestige, there's no big blue bloods in there. But the the question becomes when you look at those six teams, when you're looking at uh, Purdue, Central Michigan, South Dakota State, Cincinnati, Illinois, and Northwestern. I'll start with you, Mac. Mm-hmm. I guess what's your record? You think, and maybe plus or minus one, depending on you know a bounce of the ball or you know a little bit of luck. What do you what do you see in there? I mean, I know this is going to sound ridiculous. I don't know if it'll sound ridiculous or not, but I, I feel like six and zero is completely reasonable. Uh, Bob Diaco is the defensive coordinator that we face first. Yeah, we're talking about a guy who is so consumed with his own defense that he didn't play the defense <laughs> that that was going to that we were going to do the following year in the spring game. He was going to hide it with the 4-3. <laughs> so I, I So it doesn't matter that Purdue didn't play a spring game is what you're saying? <laughs> it probably helped him. Actually, it probably <laughs> helped him. Purdue is due for a, for a, a beat down by us and I there's so we have so many pieces coming back and I know the defense has some question marks but offensively I think we're going to be ready to roll. I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Purdue is breaking a new quarterback this year, or maybe a second-year quarterback. But the the point is, there we shouldn't be talking about Purdue. Well, the and point that, is and that's that, my biggest one, like Purdue or Cincinnati, right? So Cincinnati is the yeah. other big concern. So so if you're going to go plus or minus, I'll say six and zero plus or minus one, and. I'm pretty Well, you calm. can't go plus. You know, if you go 6 and 0, so. I like this idea, Mac. Let's go 7 and 0. In Purdue's worth two because it's a conference game. Purdue's worth two. <laughs> well, it, I think that Purdue game is worth two in the sense, in the greater sense of it is so important. Yeah. Like, we can't start the season oh, 0 and 1. That's actually a really good point, which wasn't, that's not what I was making. <laughs> but it is a really good point because that first game we need. I don't. I, okay, Redcasters. I won't be on the podcast if we lose to Purdue. I'm just going to tell you that right now. We need to win that game. I can't handle not beating Purdue this year. The, now, let's also make it clear this is not Mac's first threat to to quit the podcast. That's but the it's not a threat. <laughs> hey, we we have Xavier Betts, man. He's I know. And listen, we haven't talked about this much, and but he's eligible, and and I think it's important to point out too. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, he was going to be eligible either way. I think some people might think he got eligible because of the COVID, you know, forgiving umbrella that was put over all academics. But he he was actually he, – he did what he needed to do. And I know a lot of people were involved with that with Bellevue West, and that's fantastic. But this kid is completely different in terms of what we could get at a wide receiver. We have nothing like him on the team right now. And I know Omar Manning is a guy that 
that we're hoping to come in, but he's a Juco. We're talking about a guy we're going to get as a freshman who's from Omaha and is going to be molded into what we need him to be. Six foot four, a super fluid athlete, great hands, catches with his hands, not a body catcher, and he's explosive after the catch. So um, I'm super excited about that. Well, and I brought it up, Mac, because it's something you've wanted to talk about for a couple of months on the yes. show, and you've kept putting it off because you were not going to mention a guy yeah. that was not guaranteed to be here. And up until yeah. just a couple of weeks ago and, and getting the right test score, so great job, Xavier, on that. But uh, once he got that, you know, he's here. Yep. So. He's here, good to go. And he's here I mean, within 45 miles of campus, too. So it's like it's not like he's here and he lives in Alabama or something like that. He's close enough that the coaches can reach out, make sure he's doing what he needs to do, you know, physically now. And he's done. He's He did what he needed to do on the academic side. And that always makes me, you know, as I've gotten older and you know, we all have kids now, it's, you know, it just it tickles me when kids finally the light goes on and, and they and they start taking positive steps towards their future. He has done that, you know, and he is, he is, he has utilized the help that's been afforded to him. Mm-hmm. That makes, that just makes it all the sweeter. So. Hey, there's no judgment here. Mac and I in high school, we, we added up to almost a 4.0. So the I, combined, so the I've point, been on academic probation my entire <laughs> career. So, so I, we, we, we totally understand. And sometimes it takes time and, and, you know, that's that's all good, Dave. It's a judgment free zone. It's Dave, g- give me your plus or minus one after those first six games. Well, first of all, I just I'm glad we're talking football here. I like how we're go. We're we're gonna wrap this up in the next ten or fifteen minutes. I feel like now we're gonna talk an hour because now we're <laughs> diving into football. I want to talk talk about is, does JD come back or you know all these type of things. You know, I think my plus or minus would be five and one. Right, we could go six and zero. Oh, could go four and two. If if we're worse than four and two, I'd be really surprised and disappointed. And that, that could happen anywhere. You know, I don't want to say that it's a must-win situation in week one. That's a tough thing to put on the team. But I mean, they're they're due to win that game. I think it's interesting to to think about with all that's gone on over the last three months, and. You know, Honky, maybe you have an, an answer on this, but I don't think we know if we're going to be able to get back any of those spring practices that we missed. And there's other Big Ten teams that practiced more than we did. I believe Purdue was one of those. And we also don't know the the breakdown of of how this is going to impact each individual team from an experience factor, right? We have some great young guys coming in if – if Betts, Omar Manning um, join the wide receiver core, now Adrian has more guys to throw to, but he has yet to throw to them at all, even in 7-7 seven seven drills, right? And, and maybe we can get JD back. That would actually help a lot, and there's, there's a chance that may still happen. But I don't know what other schools may have a lot more experience. I, and I, I think Honky, I guess my point here is that I don't know enough about those the six teams on our schedule to look at experience, right? We do have a, a very experienced quarterback coming back. We have an experienced offensive line. We have some other other key key guys that are, are back. And that might help us in a situation where not everybody has practiced as much as they usually do mm. going into the game one. Yeah, I no, I think that's totally fair, Dave. I, what I would say with those first six games – Number one, I was really impressed with a lot of the responses that we got from Redcasters that understood how good Cincinnati could be. 
Mm. I mean, they are the best group of five team coming into the year. So very yes. good on all of you that, that it's recognize. Fickle, right? fickle. And, and he turned like, down. Didn't he turn down Power 5 coach? He turned down like Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan right? State. Yeah. yeah. So he must think he's got a good team. And he does. And so it's very good on those redcasters that respond. We had a ton of responses, by the way, to all these social media things I'm going to bring up. We had a lot of responses. And that was awesome. But the the ones that understood how good Cincinnati was, number one, that's good. Number two, uh, South Dakota State was just ranked today number two in the preseason FCS rankings. Now, this is a good team. This is South Dakota State took Minnesota a year ago, the team that went, you know, whatever, 12 and two or whatever their record was. And they took, you know, beat Auburn in the, the bowl game, all those things. South Dakota State took Minnesota down to the wire. Okay. So nobody should look at South Dakota State even and say, okay, that's a gimme or, you know, we don't have was to be that right. the, Was that the press conference where PJ Fleck answered his own questions the entire time? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, Hawk, I, can you say that again? South Dakota State. There's a preseason ranking already. Is yeah, there's right? a ranking I saw today, and they were preseason number two. Now, I guess I don't, I don't even know which ranking it was. I don't know if it probably. I can only ranking. presume that North Dakota State was number one. I guess. I'm guessing but, yes, but that's that's impressive because that's that's a high praise for South Dakota State. Interesting. Yeah, I mean the point is Nebraska coming off of three losing seasons in a row. Of course, we should never look past anyone. I will say I think the most important game of the season is Purdue, and I, I guess I am putting a lot on it. But I'm at a point where. We're going to be playing a Bob Diaco defense in game one. And we're going to have an offense that has a senior-laden offensive line. We're going to have a third-year quarterback and, I think, an offensive strategy that's going to be spot on. There's a reason why you know Austin and Lubick have been promoted and brought in to, to do what they're going to do. I mean, I just feel like that's a team that they're due. That's, that's all Purdue is due. That's all I'll get at there. Okay, let's move on to the next one. I didn't ask you this the last question, Boomer, because you get the next one. You are very familiar with Twitter, obviously, and, and the Twitter fan bases. And there was one, it was some, one of those mini CFB, you know, college football, whatever accounts. I don't even know anymore because there's like 8,000 of them. But one of them, um, wrote like the worst Twitter fan bases we've encountered. And they did, they did it in tiers. And tier one, they had Nebraska fans. Now, later on, it was found out that the guy that runs this is like an Iowa fan. Who cares? I Gross. really don't care. We responded <laughs> with, Worst Twitter fan bases we've encountered. Tier one is rival fans because they're a bunch of meanies. Uh, <laughs> schools winning a bunch right now. Uh, the next opponent, people who think college football started in 2014, and SEC schools that haven't won titles but act like they have because they play Bama. And then tier two, everyone else. So I guess from your professional social media Twitter experience, you know who are some of the worst Twitter fan bases you've encountered, you've seen, and, and you've had to deal with? Oh, well, uh, first off, I just wanted to uh, respond to the previous question uh, with Max's question about uh, Purdue's quarterback. He is actually returning. It was uh, Jack Plummer. He was actually the quarterback for most of the game when they played us, but he got hurt in, like, the very last drive, but didn't finish the game, so they do have a returning quarterback there. And Rondell Moore has been there for, like, 27 years, but he's apparently healthy this season. So they do have a lot coming back. So I will agree that is a key game for us. But back to your question, Honky, uh, who's the most ridiculous fan base out there? You know, I'm going to have to say it's Alabama fan because they just must hunt Twitter polls or whatever it is because you could make one little random off-color comment about Alabama or a joke about the SEC and my god you've got about a half a dozen people who may have graduated high school and probably didn't go to Alabama itself in your Twitter feed just (laughs) 
trying to make comments about it. It's, it's, it's always amazing. It's kind of fun to do, actually. Just kind of get out there with that stick and poke the wasp nest a little bit just to see what you can you can pull up. But uh, they're certainly up there. Uh, you know, Iowa fans are what they are. You know, again, they're fun to kind of troll a bit, too. But I'd probably have to say Alabama fans are probably the goofiest. Or, or that whole SEC mentality in general. Because, my goodness, if you just affront the SEC's honor, it's... You know, you might as well be dueling with pistols again. Yeah. That's the thing I never... I feel like if I was Alabama, I would be, like, irritated with the rest of the SECs riding their coattails. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. You're not great. We're great. Yeah. We dominate you. It's pretty clear. I mean, LSU took a a once-in-a-decade, two-decade team to beat them. Mm -hmm. But uh, mostly, it's us. And that's how I would view it as an Alabama. Seriously. I would not be touting our conference other than to say, the license that the rest of the SEC takes based off Alabama's success, would irritate me. Well, Brett Ciancia of uh, Pick 6, he posted a thing a couple days ago, and we, we tweeted on it, and it was that Alabama and Boomer, do you remember this? Like, the SEC against Alabama. Yeah, the, the exact numbers were, uh, since Gus Malzahn started at Auburn, he's 3-4 and four against Alabama, and the rest of the SEC is 3-51. and 51. Good God. And then of those other 3-51, and 51, two were Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. So you have what? Was it last year's LSU would be it since 2013? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and two illegal recruiting classes from Old Miss to, to make that happen. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Pretty impressive. I, I can't wait till they start profiting off of imaging and likeness. That should that should <laughs> bring everybody back down to an equal plane. It just blows me away. Don't we realize why those rules were in place? <laughs> like it was because of big schools being able to dominate little schools. Well, let's be totally honest. Was Alabama and Auburn any of those schools? Were they playing by these rules anyway? Certainly not. And that was always my point. I, my point was always, well, let's just not penalize them. Let's just agree yeah. that let's just agree that the big schools can do what they want to, and everything will be fine. But Did, they made it legal, so this should be fine. Dave, did you ever watch? It was on ESPN. I don't know if it was like a thirty for thirty, but it was something on the Auburn Alabama rivalry, and they interviewed Cam Newton, and they were talking to him, and someone asked them, they asked him the question about like. You know, something about the $100,000 payment, blah, blah, blah. And he just smiled and, like, shook his head. He's like, I can't talk about it. But it was, like, it was so blatant. It was just like It's like, like when they ask Eric Dickerson about his gold Trans Am. That's right. You know? That's right. Or Marcus Dupree, right? Yeah. Oh, Dupree. Uh, Let's talk about Marcus Dupree for a second. This goes on to the next. <laughs> I, sure. Well, this, this is not. Now, that's a segue This right is a there, continuation folks. of the soapbox. And the soapbox goes to another Twitter question we had, which is, who's the greatest football player you've ever personally oh, seen play against in you? Okay. And I got to tell you, we had a ton of responses, like 400 responses across all of our social media platforms. Uh, and this is in person, correct, John? Correct. Yeah, one person that, that we played against. And uh, we had this on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I mean, we had a ton of responses. Thank you, Redcasters. It was awesome. And Marcus Dupree, it was actually mm. what Tom Chattel responded yeah, with. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Um Kent Pavelka responded with Gail Sayers. Dirk Chadlin, uh, of course, did uh, Troy Edwards and a couple smiley faces. So that was <laughs> – Which, there's no way he saw that game in person. He was he had to have been so young. That was, what, 98? 98. Yeah, yeah, first game in 98. Just, so I saw that game in person. I saw that but, game yeah, Mike, game. you're a lot older. Yeah, That's but, but yeah. some of the other names, Barry Sanders, Russell Wilson, Adrian Peterson, Saquon Barkley, Chase Young, Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams was Dante Culpeppers, mine. Billy Sims, Brian Bosworth. I mean, and I yeah. could go on. I Thank you so much, Redcasters. This was an amazing a bunch of answers that we had. I don't even know what my, my answer to this is. Well, first off, the number one answer is don't say a Husker player. We had so many people say, like, Adama Kinsu. I'm like, 
No, the the question was the phrasing. Someone you've seen play against us, but <laughs> who's the oh, best video game I'm, player you ever created? <laughs> Dave, Kitty Cheatham, and he really was good. So, Dave, yes, through all the years, and and think of all the losses you've gone to on the road. Thanks. Who's the best op- the best opposing player you've seen in person play? Who would you say? No, this is a great question. I think you got a lot of great responses because it was a great question. That's I think how it works. And I have seen some 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 great opposing players, you know, whether they're from uh, Texas or, or Oklahoma in Big Twelve championship games, or even in stadium. I would say uh, Ricky Williams uh, in the '98 season. I would say that would have been Major Applewhite as a freshman. Ricky Williams was ran over us in that game. Um, was an amazing individual performance, I felt like. I've seen a lot of other really great players. Um, when you asked this question, I I thought of Eric Bieniemy for yeah. Colorado in that fourth quarter he had against us. I've seen Keith Jackson as a tight end play versus Oklahoma make some key mm-hmm. plays at key moments. But Ricky Williams, total package as a running back, especially at the college level. Yeah. And, you know, we make fun of the, the Troy Edwards thing. Look, I, I don't know if he's the greatest player, but that is a great he performance. Wasn't. You got to give no. Nope. It, it, it's a different answer. He had a great game. <laughs> that, well, that's what I'm getting. At. It was a, a great, great performance. I don't know if it's a great player, but yeah, guys like Bianami, Dave. I think that's a great you know answer there too. Boomer, let's let's move that to you. Greatest player you personally see play against Nebraska? Yeah, that was an interesting question. You know, I I did see the Troy Edwards game. You know, saw Ricky Williams. I actually was walking by the bus going back to the to the house in college when they were unloading and kind of nodded the head at him and just saw how big he was. I mean, God, his biceps were bigger than my legs or probably my waist at the time. You know, it was kind of impressive. <laughs> you know, I thought about, you know, some other players like that. You know, we did see Russell Wilson in Wisconsin. He was a darn good player. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, Roy Williams in the, you know, 2001 Oklahoma game. Yeah, I might have to say just for pure, like, college ability, maybe the best player I ever saw was probably Vince Young. You know, what was that year? 2004? 2003. 2003. And that was, you know, the one game in the Texans-Nebraska series that wasn't close. It, what was that score? Like 31-7, to 7, I think, if I remember right. Something Were like you, that. So you went down to Texas for that game? Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that, you were down that's there. A, that. That's a good one, Boomer. Yeah, that's that was – they were good. And uh, well, I think even Cedric Benson had a good game that day. And it was what it was. Cedric Benson's a pretty good back. He was a good player, himself, too, yeah. He was, but I think he'd kind of had an off year most of that year. And of course, until he plays us, he has a great game, naturally. But uh, Sure. I, I might have to go Vince Young, because, man, he was a good player in college. You know, He may not have amounted to much in the pros, but you know, for college ball, he was about as good as you could see. Hey, Honky, before you answer and Mac answers, uh, Heisman Trophy winners that have played against Nebraska, at least in recent times, Ricky Williams would be one of those. Mm-hmm. Um Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. Uh, yeah, so uh, others uh, that you can think of? There? there was another quarterback from Oakland. Jason White. Yeah, Rashawn Salam, Jason White. Mm, yeah. yeah, that'd be about it. Anyway. We never played Robert Griffin when he was at Baylor, did we? Oh, we did, but he... We did? He hadn't won the Heisman at that point. He was like he? a freshman. Yeah, that's like great. Okay. Well, let me throw the question to Mac here. What do you think? Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Although... When we played him, his name was Cedric Shaw, and we're not talking about the basketball player from UCLA. We're talking about the running back. He, but still, the name alone, 
Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it had to be Ricky Williams. And he actually had a phenomenal game against us. And you're talking about one of the all-time great running backs in college football. You know, some guys get, get awards and they kind of get forgotten about. But Ricky Williams is a legit standout, you know, college football star. I actually, I, I'm going to agree with you there. I, I'm going to say Ricky Williams as well. What, what's interesting is we had a number of other, God, there were so many responses. I can't even tell you how many, but like Troy Davis from Iowa State. Oh, great call. You know, he's a forgotten guy there, but great yeah. player, right? And I, I know I've seen him there. I saw Washington come to Nebraska in 91, I think it was, and we played against Steve Entman. Yeah. And I mean, that dude finished like third, defensive tackle finishes mm-hmm. third or fourth in the Heisman that year. Yeah. You know, Chad yeah. May. I'm kidding. Not Chad May. <laughs> <laughs> you made just fun of a K-State quarterback. Did you see Michael Bishop play? That's a good one, Dave Bishop. Bishop yeah, he's a great college player. Oh, Roberson, just kidding. <laughs> we had fans going back to like the the seventies with the Selman brothers from Oklahoma, and sure, it was so cool that there's so many. The Redcast Nation has grown, dude. We have got guys that know stuff from the the fifties and the sixties. We had some some names that were being thrown from way back. And so it was just real fun. And I Marcus just, Dupree was probably the most. You know, that's kind of that, that's one of those names that kind of resonates in college football history. It does. He was, he was a legend. Like a, yeah, he was. He's so, just a legend. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure about Boomer here. I know about Mac in your history. Your history is that's probably before your time in Certainly. terms of. So Marcus yeah, Dupree's yeah. early. I started paying attention to Nebraska in '82, '83 ish. Dave. Marcus Dupree, I mean, were you were you starting to watch football and kind of paying attention around that time? Or yeah, that the name you? name would have been familiar to me vaguely. I think you asked a kind of a, a similar question of us this, a, a week or two ago about what your first Husker memory, right? And mm-hmm. starting to think about things like that. And I'm I'm more familiar from an Oklahoma standpoint with Jamel Holloway and mm-hmm. and um, Charles Thompson, Keith Jackson. Keith yeah, Jackson, those guys. Yeah. So Marcus would have been. And, and it might be transferred from my, my dad because he, he remembered Marcus Dupree. But I think it was what resonates with me was his injury that took him out, right? And, I mean, he was destined to be this great running back and yep. blew the knee out. And he was never the same, right? And, you know, we have uh, Doug DeBose is a similar Husker story on that one, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that was the, that, that time, that time frame, you know, until even, you know, really the late 90s, an ACL, MCL tear that was it especially if you were running back you know like that yeah. was you it was very rare to come back from that now it's like you know you take it six months and nine months off and you can still come back and play but man that was a death sentence back then and he was such a big back you know he was unusually oh, yeah. large oh my goodness and super powerful and so like those that extra stress on the tendons well, he was, the, was he was the, the the next earl campbell kind of player i think last question we have that's Twitter. did anyone see adrian peterson none of us I guess I don't think I saw I Adrian. I missed Not Adrian in person. Peterson. Boomer, did you? Gosh, I'm trying to think. What years did he play at Oklahoma? It would have been mid-2000s. We, like, we, we all four of us went to the 08 game, that debacle, first year of uh, uh, Pelini. So we would have watched, at that point, that would have been Bradford mm-hmm. and, and that group. But, yeah, I mean, by then he was gone. Just time my head, yeah. I don't recall seeing him, but I might have. I think that's why Ricky Williams rises the top. Not only did he win the Heisman, but he had a great game against Nebraska in Lincoln. Yep. And it was a Heisman-worthy performance. Ends the long home winning streak. You know, the fans yep. give him a clap. It's it's on, uh, what, Halloween game, Halloween yep. day and everything. Actually, I, t- I take that back. I did I did watch him play because wouldn't he have been in the Big 12 championship game in Kansas City? 
that was like 21 yes, to 7. Was that, was like, there too. that was like negative we were, 2 degrees or whatever it was. Yeah, it was, it was just, freezing. They didn't scoop the... Yes, thank God you could smuggle you. brandy in under your hat. That's all I remember from that game. But good Lord. So yeah. mine would be a tie between AP and then yeah. Ricky Williams. Because AP was legit. This has been a fun show, by the way, guys. This is just a totally different show than we normally do. It's just it's off season and it's weirdness and pandemic, and so we're just we're very open ended. There's not segments here. We're just talking, right? Last question, and this is a fun one, and and we had a lot of fun responses here. Ruin a college nickname by changing one letter. There are so many like Twitter things going out right now where it's like ruin something by changing one letter, and I just threw it out like change a nickname, and so. We had some very creative responses. My favorite one from Boomer that was the Akron Nips. I just thought that was funny. I giggled because I'm because I have an eight year old, you know, sense of humor. That was for you specifically, Honky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Huskers Game Day, you know, said the Porn Huskers. Patrick Rungi said Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> Richard Fitzwell, which I'm guessing that might be <laughs> a little bit, you know, yeah. something in the name there. He said Butkers. That's funny. Pat Miner said the Colorado Terrible Fans. And a whole bunch of dirty ones, like filthy, like well done Redcasters, but really filthy. Like Badgers with a V. That was probably ba- my favorite. Buckeyes, you could change yeah. a letter there. I mean, th- my mom wa- listens to the show, so I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to edit. I don't want to have to edit a lot. Taking the high road. Yeah, we're going to take the high road, but there were some hilarious ones. Really appreciate the Redcasters there. I don't know if, like, you know, Boomer, you had thrown out some other ones I think that were pretty good. I mean, or Dave, if you want to step in here too, but. Uh, any ideas there? <laughs> Dave's shaking his head no, so I'll go to Boomer. Yeah, okay, yeah, we had the Akron Nips. We had the uh, <laughs> Miami Red Hots. I thought that was all right. And the Lafayette College Leotards. I thought it worked all right. <laughs> UT Chattanooga Moms. Baylor Beers was popular with some people. So <laughs> That's a good one. It seemed about That's right good. for Baylor. Just a few samples out there. You could, you could add your own Redcasters. And like I said, someone said Butkers, which isn't even their nickname. It's just their name. But I'm cool with that, too. <laughs> like someone said LSD instead of LSU. Cool. That's, that's funny. That's, I mean, fun. it made me laugh. So yeah. we'll allow it. So anyways, that's Let a, your imagination run wild. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, that is the the first installment of the Soapbox uh, from uh, Hero Soap Company. Uh, so oh, I like that. So anyways, I, you know, this was a lot of fun. And, and, and back to you. All right. Well, you know, I think uh, we may may call this a, a redcast here pretty soon. It's good to just get back talking to you guys. And, you know, it, it's an odd season in the sense that right now typically is where we'd be winding down the redcast season. We would actually be saying, hey, you know, the Huskers are heading into the uh, NCAA, you know, college baseball tournament uh, that's about about all we'd have left at this point. We may have one more show after this or so, and then we take a break. But the reality is, is as the football players go back to campus, uh, there may be more to talk about, right? We have mm-hmm. uh, some developing storylines, et cetera. So uh, we've already had our slow season on the Redcast. I think we're going to be picking up here sooner than later and having more regular shows just because there's going to be more to talk about as we get closer and closer to the football season. So, Honky, uh, let's get out of here with some parting shots, and we'll start with you. Yeah, my parting shot is from uh, Twitter from the other night, and it's uh, thanks to at Skull Sparks, uh, which had something about uh, Nebraska volleyball has the most social media followers by far of any women's volleyball program at nearly 350,000 social media followers. Now, that's Facebook, Twitter, 
and uh, Instagram combined. Uh, but the next school is Penn State with like 225,000. So like we're a full 100,000 plus more than any other school out there. And of note, the top six is Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Stanford, and Minnesota. If you notice anything in there, there's five <laughs> of the top six, five of the top six programs on social media uh, for you know social media following come from the Big Ten. I mean, this conference, I mean, we can yell SEC and football all we want, but the Big Ten has definitely become the conference for volleyball. I thought that was yes. really cool. So uh, thanks for Skull Sparks for kind of putting those numbers together and everything. thought that was pretty cool. Awesome. Mac, what do you got for me? I actually have two. What? Yeah, I have two. One, uh, you know, Dave, you were talking about, you know, some things kind of returning to normal. And one thing that I think we could all look forward to is some college football preseason magazine. Oh, thank God. Uh, oh, wow. According to Twitter, which is, you know, fact checking stuff these days, <laughs> uh, Athlon just dropped their college football your magazine. Well, it's going to drop in June, and Wandell Robinson's on the cover for the region. So, you know, I don't know if awesome. it doesn't cause any friction with 2 a.m., but, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's good to see him out there. And also, uh, for all of the Lincoln Redcasters out there, if you're at Holmes Lake and you're on the path and you see like a, a big X painted on the path or, or a pile of bird seed, uh, keep going because there are coyotes on the loose all over Lincoln right now, and um, you'll be falling right into their hands. So just keep moving on. They're 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 everywhere. They're they're taking back nature. Yeah, apparently. any big magnets you want to you want to avoid that or acne rocket sleds those sorts of things. You just yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see a tunnel and it's painted. Turn. Yeah, it's just it's not going to work out. <laughs> Boomer, what do you got for me? Top that, please. Well, I, I, I don't know if I can, other than watch out for large catapults and things like that that can go awry. But uh, I'd just like to ask Redcasters, you know, when things kind of do get back to some semblance of normalcy and we're allowed to attend sporting events, you know, give some thought to going to one of the, the you know, non-football, non-basketball sports. Go to one of the Olympic sports that nebraska offers you know go to a wrestling match go to see indoor track go watch a soccer game i mean those tickets aren't expensive and that would be a huge boost to those programs to show that they have fans that are interested in it willing to spend a little money on it and that would be a huge relief to those sorts of things we've seen a lot of schools have to shut those programs down for lack of funding and i don't want to see that happen here it's it's not fair to the athletes they have and It'd be a real easy thing for us to do as Husker fans. You know, it's real cost effective, good time for a family. So try to make try to make that happen. Even if it's bowling, let's go out and you know watch a bowling event. So it's a great point, Boomer. Absolutely. You know, we want to make sure we uh, include all all Huskers, right, Mac? Yeah, and you know, I've been gone for a few weeks. So I, I, I I've got I've got a few hot takes to to get on my system. But the last one, <laughs> and this is just more of a I'm I'm talking to the good side of the Husker Nation. Let's uh let's not keep IMing or DMing or whatever JD Spielman. Let the kid do what he needs to do and make his choices. We don't have we we shouldn't have any comment about it. He's he's doing the best he can. He doesn't need any kind of nastiness on social media. It's not a good look for anybody. Let's hope the best for the kid and, and hope it works out for him. That's a good point. In general, suit. Right. Suit. suit. Stay off of Twitter. We have a we have a PSA, Dave, that says that, right? Let's remember, they are kids. Absolutely. That's right. All right, guys. Well, um, it was just fun talking to you. As Honky said, this was kind of an 
a uh, loose show, and uh, I think we enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back sooner than later. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. JBR, Go Big Redcast.